You're listening to a sermon podcast from Agape Baptist Church, recorded live from our Sunday service. Good morning. Today's scripture is taken from John 6, verses 1 to 15. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Joyce. Good morning, church. The Lord bless you. All right, that's Great response, encourages me. Uh, So we've been uh, following Jesus the last two Sundays uh, to to see him uh, perform uh, selected miracles in the uh, the book of John. And uh, each of the miracles is a sign. And uh, it's a sign that points to Jesus to tell us something uh, about Jesus. And uh, so John actually uh, uh, summarizes the, uh, the purpose of all the signs in uh, John chapter uh, 20 and verse 31. Uh, You've seen this before. Uh, And uh, so John says, out of many signs, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is Christ, is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So that is the grand purpose of all of his miracles, so that we may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Life, right? Life, we want life. So um, two Sundays ago, uh, we saw Jesus performing the second miracle where he helped a desperate father uh, to heal his dying son. And then last Sunday, we saw uh, Jesus performing the third miracle in the book of John uh, where he healed an undeserving invalid man uh, struggling with a chronic problem of, uh, of uh, disability. So today, 
we're going to wrap up the sermon series with the fourth miracle, uh, where we will see Jesus show his uh, care and ability to feed thousands of hungry people. All right? Now, do you ever feel hungry? I don't mean your hunger in your stomach. I'm sure all of us feel hungry every day, right? So later on, you're thinking about lunch, and then you're thinking about dinner. Uh, but there is also a kind of hunger that goes much deeper. Uh, it's the hunger in your soul. Something is missing. Something feels empty. And you've tried many, many things uh, to satisfy this hunger. But nothing seems to be uh, satisfying or nor lasting. So when you're in this condition, maybe, maybe the problem is not that uh, you have not found the right thing to satisfy you. Maybe the problem is that you've been looking at the wrong places. Maybe the uh, satisfaction that you are looking for cannot be found in the things of this world. Now, C.S. Lewis actually uh, captures this really well, so I'm going to read this uh, to you. C.S. Lewis, a, a British author from many years ago, uh, he's, he writes, Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. If I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. The most probable explanation is I was made for another world. So the things of this world cannot fully satisfy. So how can we find true satisfaction? So we are going to take a look at how we can find that in Jesus, all right? He is the one from another world who is able to satisfy the hunger of our soul. So this morning, we will look at the three ingredients of true satisfaction. First is faith. The second ingredient is obedience. And the third ingredient is belief, all right? Three ingredients of true satisfaction faith, obedience, and belief. Okay, so let's begin with faith. Uh, so we're looking at the uh, fourth miracle where Jesus feeds a large hungry crowd. Uh, and uh, this is the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels in the Bible. That's uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four of Mark's Gospels have this same account, all right? And um, so on this day, many people were following Jesus uh, because he has saw signs of him healing the sick people, right? And they knew that this Jesus is special. He's not an ordinary human being. He is, he is like God. Uh, they were not quite sure who he is, but he certainly is not a normal human being, so they follow him. Um, so this crowd has been following Jesus on that day for a while, and they have been uh, listening to his teaching. And uh, as expected, as time goes on, uh, hunger also grows, right? They've been there for many hours, and uh, perhaps Jesus was himself also getting a little bit hungry uh, because Jesus is fully human being, right? The God of uh, the creator God of the universe can feel hunger of humanity. So we all need food to survive, and Jesus knows that. So he takes the initiative 
in, uh, in this situation. Now, the Apostle John writes about in passing. This happened uh, at the, as it was uh, approaching Passover. The detail, this particular Passover detail is not mentioned in any of the other Gospels. Uh, it means that the crowd, although they were following Jesus, they were already thinking about celebrating the Passover. It's about that time. And it will be, uh, they will remember Passover is the time when they were liberated from, uh, from Egypt. Uh, they, were in, they were in slavery, and then uh, God set them free after the Passover. And then uh, it was a time that they entered into the wilderness. Uh, and then, you know, and although when they were in, uh, in the slavery, life was really hard, but they had food. Okay, every day they were meager portions of food. They had something to eat. But in the wilderness, there was nothing. There was no water. There was no food. And, um, and they would die, right? They would, uh, so the, if not for God, who rained down he he uh, manna from heaven, all of them would have died. And, but God gave them bread from heaven to sustain them. Now, in this particular instance, the same God who fed the Israelites in the wilderness is now with a large crowd by the mountain. So we uh, go to uh, verse 5 and 6. And Jesus was uh, says, lifting up his eyes. Then seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. So Jesus was testing Philip. Uh, where are we to buy the food, right? Uh, and this is also a test of faith for all of us. How do you handle an insurmountable problem, right? Clearly, when, when, when Philip see the crowd, such a tremendous uh, amount of people, uh, he was, uh, he was uh, thinking there's no way, right? So this is how he responded. Uh, Philip said, answered Jesus, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to have a little, right? Just a little. So Philip basically was doing a quick analysis, just like what we would do when we are faced with a problem. Uh, he's uh, basically saying, here's the size of the problem. And here's the size of our capacity to solve the problem. You stack them up. Wow. Uh, 200 denarii, that's about uh, eight, eight months worth of uh, wages, would not be enough to buy even a little for every one of them. Okay? In other words, what he's saying is that you can spend 200 denarii. You can buy all this food. In the end, all of them will still be hungry. It's complete waste of money, complete waste of energy. There is no point in doing any of this. Now, don't we find ourselves in the same situation too? We look at the size of a problem, and we look at our ability to and resources to solve the problem, and we find that it's grossly insufficient. The problem is simply too big, and our ability to solve is too small. So why bother? Now, the mistake that Philip made, the same mistake that we make, is that he was looking at the size of the problem rather than the power of Jesus. 
people, the, Lord, the more you stare at your problem, the bigger it gets. And the smaller Jesus will get. Right? So a molehill grows into a mountain, forgetting that Jesus has the power of turning a mountain into a grain of sand. So uh, as we talked about the church camp for many weeks already, I know that some of you are really struggling to, uh, to attend the camp because you see there are many, many, many obstacles. The, the schedule is not working out. Uh, this thing is not overcome. That thing is still in the way. So I want to encourage you people, when you are looking at your problem, turn to Jesus. Go in faith. Just be a declaration of faith. So Lord, I'm going to the camp. I don't know how I'm going to overcome all this, but I believe in you. I trust in you. You have the power to help me overcome. Right? So now when, when we look at our problem, sometimes our problem is so big, you can try to solve it and it just doesn't go away, right? Some of you may, may have experienced that, some of you may be in the midst of that, uh, and uh, it can be very humbling, because when you are in such a huge problem, you, you find yourself to be powerless, right? You, you, uh, if you are the kind that take pride in uh, being able to solve all things, you are, you are, you are self-reliant, and you are, you are a self-made man or a self-made woman, everything you can, you can handle, but in that situation, you can no longer handle it, right? It's a humbling, and you're reduced to a helpless child. You need someone to help you. Now, this is a very difficult situation to be, right? It's, it doesn't feel good. You feel like God is not there with you. But at the same time, people, I want to tell you, it is also a good place. Because in that place, you will find that you are not enough. In that place, you will find that you need something bigger than you. In that place, you know that you need God. And when you turn to God, it's always a good thing. And countless people have found God in their moment of desperation. When they see the, uh, the resources are just simply not enough. And I myself was at such a time, a situation many years ago, when I found the need for God. So people, when your problem is too big, look to Jesus. He is the one who can meet all your needs. But first, you have to learn to place your faith in Him. Always choose the path of faith. Big problem, small problem, choose the path of faith. Now, what are you going to do if you have faith? If you have faith, you, the faith must also lead you to obedience. Okay, so this come bring us to the second point. Now, on that day, the Bible tells us there were uh, 5,000 men in the large crowd, okay? Uh, the book of Matthew uh, tells us uh, in that crowd, there were also women and children. So 5,000 men plus uncounted men, and, uh, women, and children. So you can imagine uh, uh, the total size of the crowd could be easily 10,000. Okay, some commentators says 15,000, 20,000, uh, whatever it be, it's a huge crowd. How are they going to feed this many people? So, of course, we saw Philip's response. So, well, you just can't do it. It's a waste of money, waste of time. Uh, but then we see uh, uh, Andrew doing something a little bit different. Okay, uh, verse 9. 
um, Andrew brought a boy. So there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many, right? Now, barley loaves, uh, barley loaves is the, uh, the detail recorded in the uh, Gospel of John as well, okay? Barley loaves is the cheapest kind of bread. It's, uh, it's the kind of bread that's uh, eaten by poor people. So this boy must be from a very poor family. So whatever he has is just very little, right? Uh, it is hard to imagine that Andrew, when he brought this boy to Jesus, that he thought this can solve the problem, okay? Because he actually said, uh, what is this? Uh, but, uh, uh, but what are they for so many, right? So clearly Andrew knows this is not enough. And uh, probably uh, Andrew was afraid that people would think that he is, uh, he's a fool. Hey, Andrew, what are you doing? Don't you know this is not enough? Why are you, why are you bothering to, to bring this boy to, to Jesus, right? So in a way, maybe he was trying to cover himself. So I know this is not enough, okay? But of course, as the story unfolds, Andrew is not a fool at all, right? He has enough faith in him to bring this little boy as little as it may be, and to bring it to his Lord to see what Jesus can do with it, right? And then for this boy, uh, for this boy, uh, he himself, also he knows, okay, this is just barely enough for me and my family, uh, but uh, I'm willing to offer it, right? Uh, and um, so, so, uh, so in the same way, what we have to offer to God many times is very little, right? You may find that many times, okay? The situation is big. What I have for to solve the problem is too small. Uh, what use is it? Never believe that because if you offer the little bit of what you have to God, you will be amazed at how much He will multiply that. He will grow your faith and you will be amazed that He will use you in such a situation as well. Right, and uh, as for as for Andrew, uh, thinking that not, not, nothing will happen, this boy, uh, this thing will be useless. Bringing the boy to Jesus uh, is a testimony of of believing that sometimes the most unlikely ways are the ways of God. Okay, sometimes what just simply doesn't make sense to us is exactly how God will do His thing. Right now, the response of Jesus. Uh, to this situation uh, is also a little bit puzzling, okay? So Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was as much, there was much grass in the place, so the man sat down, about 5,000 in number. Now the words of Jesus, as we have seen uh, uh, in the last two Sundays, is powerful, right? He spoke the word and had power to heal, right? He healed the, 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 uh, the son of the, uh, the official, uh, go, your son will live. It was, he lived, right? Uh, he spoke to the invalid man, uh, pick up your bed and walk, and he walked. And, uh, but in this case, his word simply is, have the people sit down, okay? Well, what is this? Uh, this looks like a logistical instruction. What is the value of, of, this, of these words coming out of the, uh, the word of uh, our Lord? Uh, it's, the, it's not even uh, words of wisdom. Uh, uh, and uh, so, so why? Why, why? Why is Jesus doing this in this case? Well, you know, actually, this is another test. 
This is a test of obedience. A test of obedience for the disciples and test of obedience for the crowd. The disciples, will they go and instruct the, the large crowd? You come, you come and sit down. Okay? They might be, they might be asking questions. Why? Why do you ask you to do that? You know, they might not have all the answers. I, I don't know because Jesus asked you to do so. You sit down, right? And uh, people might be complaining, all of that. Disciples have to go in faith. And for the people as well, uh, sit down. Uh, I'm pretty happy here. Kids are running around. We want to chit chat. And why do you want me to sit down, right? And uh, so, so the question is, will we obey the, the word of God? simply because he said so, right? Adam and Eve did not obey the simple instructions of not to eat from the tree, simply because God said so. And Noah uh, <clears throat> did obey God's word to build the ark. He had no reason to believe there's any use for it because there was no water, no flood, but he obeyed and lives were saved. Now in this particular situation, did everyone obey this simple instruction? Sit down. Very simple, right? Uh, possibly not, actually. Because we see in uh, verse 11, okay, Jesus took the bread, took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. Okay, so we can see that now there's an abundance of food. Everyone, everyone who needed to eat would have more than enough to eat. And no one, sh no one should have gone hungry, right? Uh, and they were filled, they were completely full. But there's an interesting qualifier in, in, uh, in this uh, verse here. The food was given to those who were seated. Only to those who were seated. In other words, if anyone who were not seated, they did not get the food. Those who were seated were fully filled with more than enough food. So people, when you obey, you will be satisfied with God's goodness. When you obey, you will receive His blessing. Uh, Jeremiah talks about this in uh, uh, Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 14. I will feast the soul of the priest with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. You will receive the blessings of the Lord through your obedience, people. Simple instructions of obedience, right? And you are, if you're not willing to obey even the simple instruction, how will you obey His commandments? And if you're not willing to obey the simple instructions, how will you be willing to carry the cross and deny yourself? So people, I want to ask you, time for reflection. What simple instructions have you been ignoring? And you probably have heard these instructions over and over again. People maybe have been reminding you time and time again. What are those instructions that you are ignoring? They are not complicated. It just reveals a heart and attitude of living for yourself and not for God. You simply don't want to do what you don't feel like doing, even though the instruction is simple. So let us repent and receive the forgiveness of Christ 
and follow his simple instruction, all right? And uh, point number three is believe, okay? Uh, the ingredient of true satisfaction, faith, obedience, and belief. Now in uh, verses, uh, uh, chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, we read this. And when they have eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So, that he, so they gather up them and fill 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had uh, eaten, right? So, um, so the scene is, uh, uh, is, uh, is happy, right? Everyone is full. There's so much left over, and they have to gather, up, can gather them up, and then uh, they fill uh, 12 baskets, okay? Way more than they, they started with in the beginning. So why is it that Jesus wants the disciples to gather up the leftover? Uh, and uh, I believe it's because the abundant blessings of God is not to be wasted. He has blessed us with more than enough of everything for every one of us, right? And there's more than enough leftover in our life. And uh, so, so, so this is a sign of gathering up your fragments of your leftover and let it be a blessing for someone else. Let, it, let you share that with someone else. Right? So when you think of Jesus, actually Jesus did not give us the leftover of fragments. He gave us all of himself. And, we, and when we recognize that, surely we will be willing to gather up the fragment of, of, of time, fragment of money, fragment of our energy, and share that with someone else. Right? And so on that night, everyone was filled, and uh, the 12 basket is also a symbol of uh, God, of the, uh, the 12, 12 tribes, right? So, it, so God is, is signaling that uh, I will provide for my people of the 12 tribes. And his abundant blessing will always be enough, right? Not almost enough, not just enough, but always, always more than enough. That is the kind of blessing that our God will give to us. And so... What does this sign point to? The God who gives us so abundantly to, to the extent that we, we, we have left over, okay? And, um, and this, uh, this sign actually points to the text that we read during uh, the call of worship. Uh, this is the, uh, and, and uh, this is when John wrote, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Okay, so in the Gospel of John, John writes this to explain the, uh, the miracle of feeding the 5,000 this way. Now, we all know that we need to eat to stay alive, right? If we don't eat, we will die of starvation uh, eventually, right? But have you ever thought about what it takes for you to eat? Uh, did you realize that every time you eat, something else dies? So, for example, if you eat chicken rice, uh, what must die for that chicken rice to be on your table? The chicken have to die, the, uh, the cucumber has to die, the ginger, the chili, uh, the grain of rice have to die. 
all those things must die so that you may live. Right? So when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he is saying that I must die so that you may live. I am the one who will die so that your physical life and your spiritual life will be sustained. Now, but how do you come to the bread? And how do you believe in the bread, right? He says, come, come to me, right? Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. How do you come to the bread? And whoever believes in me, how do you believe in the bread? Now, you come to the bread to feed because you believe the bread will give you life. You believe the bread will give you strength and nourishment, right? So in other words, when you feed on the bread of life, you are drawing nourishment and strength from Jesus. So your faith brings you to Jesus and your obedience opens your mouth and your belief allows you to digest the food in your stomach so the word of God runs through your veins. All right? So faith brings you to the bread. Obedience opens your mouth to eat the bread, which is the bread, word of God, and believe, digest the food in your stomach so that it runs through your veins. Okay? So, so this is where you draw your life from, from the bread of life rather than from something else. Now this morning, I was, uh, as they were preparing this mic for me, and suddenly one of my girls had come and tell me, he said, Papa, you're not handsome today. <laughs> she usually says, Papa, you're handsome. Papa, you are the most handsome person. This morning, Papa, you're not handsome. And uh, it's a good thing that my handsomeness is not my life. Otherwise, I will be crushed. I will not be able to preach this sermon anymore um, because it's not my life, right? I, handsome or not, God loves me. He is my life, okay? So let me show you uh, three... Uh, uh, three uh, more examples. Now, when you are worried about something, uh, there is something that is really, really important, that something must happen, something that shouldn't happen, it affects you, right? You're worried because this thing is so important, it affects you. And so that's the time, if you stop and remind yourself, well, this thing is important, but it is not my life. Jesus is my life. He is the bread of my life, right? And when you, when you do that, uh, you are drawing strength uh, from the Word of God. You are drawing strength that, okay, this thing is enough. Even if this thing doesn't happen, uh, my life will still be okay because I have eternal life and my God still loves me. Nobody, even if everybody is disappointed, I am still okay, right? So when you're doing that, actually you are feeding on Jesus. You are feeding on His Word and he is your bread of life, okay? And uh, another example, when you're, you know, when you're angry with someone, uh, anger is usually because someone has taken something away from you. Maybe this person has disrespected you. Uh, maybe this person has robbed you from something that you think that uh, rightly belongs to you, a promotion or something else, or respect. Uh, and so, but if you stop and remind yourself that, okay, whatever this person has taken away from you, it is painful, it is hard, but it is my, not my life. Jesus is my life. And you, I, 
And when you find strength to forgive, you are drawing on his word to release forgiveness even though it's very difficult. That moment you are feeding on Jesus, okay? And finally, I have one example from the book of Genesis. Uh, Jacob, remember Jacob? Uh, he has, uh, uh, his son is uh, Joseph and has uh, other sons, but his favorite son was Joseph, right? And Joseph had left, and, uh, and, uh, and there was a famine coming over the, coming over the, uh, the land. They have no food, they are gonna die of starvation, and they heard that the only place that has food is in Egypt. So, Joseph, so uh, Jacob sent his 10 sons to Egypt to buy some grains and come back. And so they came back with, with grain, but without Simeon, without Simeon who was taken hostage. And uh, they could not go back again unless they bring Benjamin, uh, his other favorite son. Okay, the first favorite son already died in his mind. The other favorite son, he cannot let go. If this son dies, he will die too, he said. Okay, and so they kind of dragged their feet in returning to buy more grain. They waited and waited and waited. Eventually, Jacob realized they can't wait anymore, right? He said, okay, we must go already. <clears throat> and uh, and uh, so, so, so before his 10 sons left, he prayed this prayer on them. Okay. And Jacob said, May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, referring to, to Joseph, and may, and, and may he, is this a missing word here? Uh, may he send back yet your other brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I'm bereaved, for my children, I'm bereaved. Okay? Uh, Joseph, at this moment, remembers that God is an almighty God. He is not a puny idol. This God is transcendent, he's mighty. And then he can also see that he entrusted his sons uh, to the mercy of God. Not on his own scheme to protect, him, protect them, not on his own way to protect Benjamin. And, uh, and he can also see that his life at this point is no longer bound up with the life of Benjamin. If Benjamin dies, he will not die. Okay? He says, if I'm bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. He's willing to let Benjamin go because he knows that Benjamin is not his life. God is his life. And that was the turning point, people. That was the turning point of his entire family being reunited. And Jacob and, and Jacob's leap of faith also found food for his soul. Because as it turned out, Jacob discovered, discovered the favorite son that he thought was dead, was alive, right? And, uh, and uh, Joseph and his brothers were all reconciled, a very broken family that hated each other, were reconciled, they can uh, love one another again. And food was no longer a problem because they were all in the palace of, of, of Pharaoh. So you see, Jacob, when he discovered his lie is not in, in Benjamin, his life is with, with, uh, with God, he found a satisfaction that could not have come from his own plans. He found a satisfaction from God who provided manna from heaven. So church, do you want this kind of satisfaction? 
Do you want a satisfaction who can truly satisfy your soul? If you want that, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. If you lack satisfaction from this world, it's because you cannot find that satisfaction in this world, but in Jesus. Feed on Him and let His Word run through your, rain, your veins and let Him nourish your body and soul and let His Word maybe, maybe even rewire your taste bud so that you will want the things of God. So people over the last two Sundays, we have seen Jesus with the power to heal. We have seen Jesus full of love and grace for even the undeserving people. And today we have seen Jesus as the only one who can meet all of our needs. And he meet those needs lavishly. He came not only to feed the 5,000 people in a large crowd, and this Jesus came as bread, bread which is breakable, and bread which can be, can be eaten. He came to feed our body and soul so that ev for everyone who will call upon his name. So Jesus is the bread who died so that we may live, and not only live to survive, but live to have a truly satisfying life. So people, the bread of life died on the cross so that our sins may be forgiven. So no matter what your situation may, may be, be blessed by this future promise in the book of Revelation. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of water, and God will wipe away every tears from their eyes. This is God, what God has promised you now and in the future perfectly. Let us be on the bread of life, people. Whoever comes to Jesus shall not hunger, and who, whoever believes in him shall never thirst. Let's bow our head and pray. Father, you are indeed the source of life. You are the one who holds all things together. Help us to place our faith in you. Bless us as we walk in obedience to your word and help us to feed on Jesus the bread of life and let his word nourish us daily and run through our veins and let the bread of life truly satisfy the hunger in our souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast. You can find more of our sermons online on our website at www.agape.org.sg.